Hey, it's Jennifer Jones-Lee. You're listening to KFI AM 640 Wake Up Call on demand on the iHeartRadio app. She likes to call it Friday Eve. Here's Jennifer Jones-Lee with your Thursday morning wake up call. All right, for all those of you who think it's annoying that I like to call it Friday Eve, it sucks less calling it Friday Eve than what I heard in Northern California a few weeks ago. They were calling it Friday Junior. Stop it. Yeah, exactly, Tyler. Friday Junior, please. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Can you tell we're warming up? It was about 10 degrees warmer this morning than it was yesterday. And we've got warm temperatures on the way. However, tomorrow, it looks like it's going to be colder with clouds in the forecast. They're getting a storm, a really weak system that's hitting Northern California. We get sort of the remnants of it. But then we warm right back up on Saturday and really warm it up for Easter Sunday. So if you've got plans for a Easter egg hunt or something like that outdoors, you're in Southern California, you should be fine for the weekend. Three people have been found dead in an apartment building owned by the Skid Row Housing Trust in downtown L.A. An L.A. County Sheriff's deputy has been charged with illegally possessing an assault rifle and tracer ammunition at his home. And I think this sounds like a cool idea, but I like I like to go to anything that's historical or, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm into this kind of stuff. The, you know, landmarks around places, the tournament house. In Pasadena, it's now giving public tours. This is what I need to do. Coming up at 5.05, we're going to talk with ABC's Karen Travers about the White House and its resolute support for reproductive freedom. This all comes on the heels of some big news that happened in Wisconsin and Michigan. So we'll get into that with her in just a second. But let's start with some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Three people have been found dead in an apartment building owned by the Skid Row Housing Trust in downtown L.A. Investigators say the deaths overnight may be from drug overdoses. The coroner will say for sure. I heard, um, I believe it was the pastor who runs the mission on Skid Row talking about how roughly five people die a day from, he was referring to them, I think he called them uh Complications with homelessness is, I think, the quote that I heard. But one of the things is, is that you now have fentanyl being mixed with, you know, any kind of drug that you can possibly think of and shrank the horse tranquilizer. And I think those two things are being laced in the drugs so frequently and so often right now that I mean, you you don't know if you're buying a pill from somebody else. You don't know from where that pill came or or whatever it is you're using. And it just seems that these stories are becoming a little more and more common, or at least they're making the headlines. And I won't be surprised if it turns out that this had either fentanyl or trank. I think they just had their first death because of trank in Northern California, in the Bay Area. 
Numbers from the LAPD show a drop in officer involved shootings last year compared to the year before. The annual use of force report noted officers opened fire 31 times in 2022, hitting 23 people. In 2021, officers opened fire 37 times. In eight of the 31 shootings last year, the person opened fire at the officers first or at bystanders. In 10 other situations, the person had a gun but did not shoot. In five instances, officers believed the person had a gun but none was ultimately found. In all of the officer involved shootings last year, year, 58% of the people involved were armed with a gun compared to 41% in 2021. Steve Gregory, King of News. A recently freed ex-con with a long criminal record has been fatally shot by police at a truck yard in Vernon. Officials say he was trying to get away from members of a multi-agency gang task force and tried to wrestle a weapon away from a female officer. That officer was punched in the face. Metro may have to cut services or raise fares to make up for the end of pandemic related funding. Now, the federal funding is expected to run out within two years. And Cal Matters reports Governor Newsom's budget next year also includes delays and cuts to transit agencies statewide. I have never heard of this budget includes delays. I know it means in funding, but still. In February of 2019, ridership was about 100 million statewide. By June of 2020, it fell to 20 million. Officials say there was a slight uptick in ridership last summer, but still, we are nowhere near the pre-pandemic numbers. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk with ABC's Karen Travers about the White House's stance when it comes to reproductive rights. Right now, though, Nick Pagliocchini, I was thinking about you last night. Good way? Yes. So I went I went in my garage and uh, I had gone to the grocery store and bought paper towels. And I went out to take the paper towels and put them in the storage outside. Uh-huh. And there it was, the Dolly Parton baking box. Oh, It was memories. sitting there and it made me smile. If you guys Aww. haven't seen this, JJLKFI on Instagram, you can still go. Nick and Amy King came over to my house and Nick secured the Dolly Parton baking box set. Of course he did. And we cooked it right there in the kitchen. Yeah, it was a good time. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You've definitely got the Dolly Parton kitchen, so. Thanks. Of course. You're welcome over anytime. Anytime you want to bring a box full of Dolly goodies over, we can cook. Okay. Sounds like when when the uh, third baking collection comes out, we got a date. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Karen Travers, good morning to you. Let's talk about what we heard from the White House yesterday when it comes to resolute support for reproductive freedom and explain why this story came to light again. Yeah, there were questions um, at the briefing about the results from these elections in Wisconsin and in Chicago. But critically, the Wisconsin results are the ones that they were zeroing in on because of abortion. So this is a really big win for Democrats in Wisconsin. Liberal Judge Janet Protasiewicz flipped the state's conservative Supreme Court. Democrats won a majority now on that state Supreme Court for the first time in 15 years. They shifted the power in the battleground state that has helped decide the winner in the last four presidential elections. It's a very big victory for abortion rights because it means that the state state court could now reverse Wisconsin's ban on abortion. And when the White House was asked if they view this as voters casting a ballot in support of abortion access heading into the presidential election year, Corrine Jean-Pierre said yesterday, 
time and time again, the American people have shown their resolute support for reproductive freedom in our democracy. And she said Tuesday night was no different. Kareem said the message from voters recently has been clear that Americans want the freedom to make reproductive health care decisions without government interference. And she said Republicans are committed uh, to attacking those fundamental freedoms that Americans, in their view, should have. So the White House is kind of using this as a jumping point to push their position on this and saying that this is a very good day for Democrats in Wisconsin. Another big thing in Wisconsin is that with Janet Protosiewicz winning this seat, uh, Democrats could also end the use of gerrymandered legislative maps, which have given Republicans control of the state legislature out there. So going back to what you were saying right in the beginning about um, Wisconsin then possibly getting the ban on abortions overturned, it's still then, I'm sure, even if that's at the state level, then somebody's going to take that to the Supreme Court. So the state Supreme Court had was is expected to decide on a lawsuit against the state's 1849 law. 1849. Wow. I'm not exaggerating wow. the years on that. That now bans nearly all abortions after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last summer. So that's why this came into play. It like had been dormant. And then because of the Dobbs decision last year, that law then came back up. And, you know, Protosawitz had declined to say how she would decide the case during her campaign, but made clear her support for abortion rights and really made it the centerpiece of her campaign during the home stretch. Like one of the last campaign ads she was running against her opponent, uh, former state Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly, she was describing him as an extremist who wants abortion banned. And it really became a big, big issue out there for voters. All right, Karen, thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day. You too. That's ABC's Karen Travers. It's just interesting that um, any time, so you have a, a switch in Wisconsin that could lead to an ultimate decision But then that ultimate decision goes to a state Supreme Court. And then don't forget, we've got the Supreme Court over all of this. And I know they're not ruling on the the state decision, but I'm just trying to weave this tangled web of how this all has to go. And so anytime you think you have a victory in one way, you know you're going to have a fight on the other side. So we'll see if that, in fact, is what this new judge is going to have to deal with. A woman involved in the fatal shooting of an off-duty LAPD officer during a robbery has been convicted. Fernando Arroyos was killed in January of last year while he was house hunting with his girlfriend in South L.A. Haley Grisham pleaded guilty yesterday to a federal charge of violent crime in the aid of racketeering, which carries a possible sentence of life in federal prison. Three others, all suspected gang members, face trial in July. A man arrested for a suspected DUI crash that killed an 11-month-old boy in Mission Viejo has been released from jail. The man was booked on suspicion of driving while on drugs after his car hopped a curb and ran a couple and their baby down. The family was rushed to the hospital Sunday where the baby died and his parents were treated for injuries. The man was released without bail and no charges, but the Orange County DA's office says it's waiting on toxicology results. A GoFundMe account for the family has raised over $180,000 to cover medical and funeral costs. Chris Adler, KFI News. Remember this story out of Orange County where a dermatologist from Irvine allegedly poisoned her husband with Drano? Well, now a grand jury in OC has indicted that dermatologist. 
Dr. Emily Yu is facing three felony charges. The Orange County DA's office says Yu's husband suspected that she'd been putting something in his drinks last year when he noticed a strange taste in his tea. The man put cameras in the couple's kitchen and allegedly caught Yu putting liquid drain cleaner into his drinks on three separate occasions. That is some lifetime movie plot material right there if I've ever seen it. Imagine, imagine that your spouse, that you are so convinced that your spouse is out to get you, that your spouse wants it to be curtains for you, that you put up cameras around your house to catch your spouse poisoning you. I don't think I would have the wherewithal. I think it would be like, I think that my spouse is trying to poison me. I'm going straight to the cops. I mean, this this guy, if this all turns out to be true, and we've all seen the video on this, if he, though, went, I'm going to catch her in the act. Imagine what that felt like living with somebody that you knew in your heart was trying to kill you, and then you got video proof of it? Lifetime movie called That Family. Three people have been found dead in an apartment building owned by the Skid Row Housing Trust in downtown L.A. Investigators say the deaths overnight may be from drug overdoses. The coroner will say for sure. Five people have been arrested after a high-speed police chase that ended in the Pico Union area in L.A. The five people were in a stolen Honda last night. A man and woman jumped out of the car at one point during the chase. Another bailed out a block away. The driver eventually stopped because of the spike strips that he ran over. The passengers were found in the area. And another Kennedy has filed the paperwork to run for president in 2024. It's Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is the son of assassinated Senator Robert F. Kennedy and the nephew of President John F. Kennedy. So the junior Kennedy will run as a Democrat. President Biden has indicated he will run for re-election, but no formal announcement has been made. I need to know more about this person, and here's why. I need to get a little background on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Because we in this country have a tendency to vote for name recognition. Jim Ryan, by the way, good morning to you. I'll, I'll talk to you about this story. There was a guy somewhere, and I... Ugh, I don't know. It was somewhere in my time up in Northern California, probably 20 years ago. Some guy named Charlie Brown. Nobody had ever heard of Charlie. Nobody had ever. I still don't think I even know who the heck he was. I hear he's a good man. Yeah. Ha, 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 Tyler. (laughs) Very good. But he ended up winning, even though not one freaking person really knew anything about this Charlie Brown guy. But it's that name recognition. And you put Biden up there, who maybe not all Democratic voters are happy about, but they see that Kennedy legacy right there and they're like, hey, look at that. We could get another Kennedy in office. I just wonder how much sway that'll have. Yeah, maybe some. I don't know. There could be also some voter confusion. Down, down in Louisiana, there's a, a lawmaker, a congressman named John Kennedy. A oh, conservative no Republican, you know. Who, oh, wow. Sort of diametrically opposed to, I think, what we believe the Kennedy family is about. Uh, luckily, nobody pulled the football out from Charlie Brown, so he won, right? Yes, he so. did win. Yes, he did. All right. 
just, I was driving in this morning and there it was, a car in front of me with that paper license plate flapping. And I yeah. know those went into, let's talk about why, first off, that those were introduced during the pandemic. Well, they weren't introduced then, but there, there were new rules put into place regarding those uh, paper tags. You know, they're temporary. You're supposed to, they're supposed to, once you buy your car, the dealer puts these on there. And within 45 days, 60 days, you must have replaced it with the regular metal plate. You get it registered and the plate comes in, you put your regular metal plate on toss the uh the paper tag some people but during the pandemic people were getting a grace period you know the police would pull him over and say well the, the dmv is closed i can't get a new uh, license plate or i can't get this thing registered so they were getting 60 or 90 additional days 120 additional days in some cases somebody finally got the bright idea during the pandemic the bright and illegal idea to start printing these things on their own printing up you know they buy the card stock get these uh, get the printer a normal printer and print fake license plates, paper, paper tags, sure, and sell them. Make a lot of money that way. Um, Two hundred million dollars black market is the the estimate for fake license plates uh, around the country. Many of them coming from Texas for some reason, but it's a problem nationwide. I know you guys are going toward digital license plates, which may kind of cut into this could do away with the issue altogether someday well let's hope that that is the case but you're right the minute that i started seeing those a couple years ago it was like what could go wrong of course <laughs> anybody can come up with one of these you know it, it was like a you know paper um id or something like that anybody could make one anybody could stick one on a stolen car to make it look like right. I, I don't know or give themselves the opportunity to be like oh hey just everything in the registration wasn't working yet you could see how they could use this to not only either steal a car or to get out of it if a cop did pull them over and realized it was a stolen vehicle. Sorry, there was just some, you know, mix-up or delay. Well, yeah, that's happening. And, you know, they, they on the low end, people are just avoiding paying the registration fee on their car. The car might be it might, maybe perfectly legal to drive. They're avoiding getting it inspected. They're also avoiding buying insurance in a lot of cases. But in, but in a few cases, here in Texas, for example, Crimes have been committed in cars that don't have legitimate license plates. These ghost uh, tags, you know, fa you know, paper tags that look okay as you're driving down the highway, but once it's used in a crime, there's just no way to identify that car. So it's a problem. How and this has got to be a big burden for cops as well, because it's sure. not just you know that they're just running a normal license plate like they would for us. You know, anybody getting pulled over or something. But they're probably they probably have all kinds of duplicates. They've got to figure out is yep. this the right car that goes with that license plate? What a mess! Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the Texas legislature tr thought they had a handle on it. They said, okay, too many fake paper tags out there. We're going to require a QR code. We'll put a QR code on these things. That way a police officer pulls the car over, walks up with the phone, scans the tag, the QR code, takes them to a site that says, yeah, this car is legitimate. Uh, go ahead and turn them loose. Well, you know, scammers and criminals know about QR codes. They can print a QR code, put it onto the fake license plate, set up a fake website so that the officer who scans it is taken to a fake site that says, yeah, this car is okay. You can let him go. Right. So, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's insidious. And, and and the police are sort of behind the eight ball on this. If there was, it got out of control with the pandemic and now it's completely out of control. $200 million business in black market license plates. That's incredible. Jim, thank you so yeah. much. Thanks, Jen. See you later. $200 million industry, if you will. But yeah, who, who was the person that went, we can save a buck. Just put on these paper plates.
What could go wrong? You know what they need to do? From now on, lawmakers need to call us on wake-up call. I have an idea. We then present their stupid ideas to you. You guys then tweet back all the reasons why their stupid ideas won't work. And then we'll send it back to them. You're welcome. Lawmakers, we're here for you. The governor of Idaho has signed a bill into law that makes it a crime for an adult to help a minor get an abortion or to get abortion pills from out of state without their parents' permission. Violators of the so-called abortion trafficking law could get up to five years in prison if convicted. More people have been killed during these severe storms across the country. The mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, says at least one person in that state was killed by a tornado. Homes and other buildings were also destroyed in southeastern Missouri. Governor Mike Parson says he saw some of the destruction firsthand. When you look at the devastation of this, it's going to be weeks upon months to be able to recover. Officials say the death toll may rise as crews sift through what's left of homes. Tornadoes were also reported in parts of Illinois and Iowa, and severe storms forced brief ground stops at major airports in Austin, Chicago, and Detroit. Japan's Coast Guard says it's searching for an Army helicopter carrying 10 crew members who are missing off an island in southern Japan. The Black Hawk helicopter disappeared from radar during a mission last night. Kyoto News said Japanese Coast Guard ships had found traces of oil and debris that may be related to the missing helicopter. The Tournament House in Pasadena is now giving public tours. It's a one-hour guided tour. It'll start at 2 p.m. every Thursday through the end of August. The Wrigley Mansion on Orange Grove Boulevard was donated to the city in 1958 with the requirement that it be used as the home for the Tournament of Roses. And speaking of flowers, Jill Biden has bloomed. The First Lady has accepted her Jill Biden tulip from the Dutch ambassador to the U.S., She was presented with a flower during a ceremony at the ambassador's residence in Washington, D.C. The Jill Biden is yellow, reddish orange with fringed petals. The Dutch have named tulips after seven U.S. First Ladies, starting in the late 1800s with President Grover Cleveland's wife, Frances. Before Biden, the last First Lady to get a tulip named after her was George W. Bush's wife, Laura, in 2004. The Netherlands exports more than 450 million tulip bulbs to the U.S. annually. Amy King, KFI News. It is time for our Business Bites this morning. Our Biz Bites, Jason Middleton, good morning to you. Good morning, Jennifer. All right, let's start with these job cuts that came out yesterday. And it was like, all right, here we go again with these big tech companies. Specifically, though, this time, Apple is focusing on one facet of its organization. Yeah, it's corporate retail sales, right? Okay. But now the headline, of course, is that Apple has not had to have any layoffs during all these others. We've had about 180,000 layoffs in the tech sector in the first quarter of this year, in addition to uh, anywhere between 35 and 50, depending on the reports, uh, late last year. Okay. Right? So the whole sector is is down. It's definitely – it got a little uh, round uh, the middle um, – during the pandemic, and it needs to get right sized. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of that there. But the thing about the Apple thing is, yes, the headline is that they are layoffs. But I'm going to use quote marks, air quotes, because we're on the radio, so they're air quotes. Right. But I at the them. same time, uh, but look, they're offering. <laughs> what they're saying is that if if you are affected by this decision, you can reapply for a job within Apple someplace else. Okay. And if you don't want to do that, you get a four month severance. So, so these not are, as these bad are as the other companies. These, are, these aren't exactly pink slips like have been companies as the other companies, yes. Okay. 
I mean, on one hand, it does kind of suck that you have to reapply within your own company. However, yes, the other ones weren't giving you that opportunity. No, that no, I no. know of anyway. No, likely, uh, you know, other other companies were snatching up that talent if True. they could afford it, if they needed it, if they were trying to build out something. But with now, Steve, I'm sorry, <laughs> seeing Steve oh, Jobs. Yeah, mm, R.I.P. I miss uh, Steve, but um, Tim is really good. And uh, what he's saying is that this is going to get them right sized in the corporate retail space. And Apple's made some other news this week as well because he China and we have uh, we have a discussion coming up about that that uh, trade war that's building up faster than we might have anticipated. Yeah, let's even talk about that. So when it comes to that war specifically, we're focusing on chips. Yes. Chip development, chip uh, processing and uh this is this is I'm looking at the cover of the Economist this week, America versus China, it's worse than you think. He reads some spicy stuff, you guys. I was up early reading that stuff. Of um, course he was. But this uh, but it really is because uh look, we talk about AI a lot on my show and on this show and all, all shows. It's the headlines have been coming hot and heavy for the last few months yeah. about AI. Well, the brains behind AI are these chips. And these chips are incredibly high tech. We're talking about nanometers, which are billions of a meter thick. It's amazing technology. 1,500 steps for one chip goes into each chip. Oh, my gosh. There's only a couple of machines. There's I only one that. company and a couple of machines that they make in the whole world that can make these chips. And uh, so when the Biden administration, this actually started with the Trump administration with the Biden, and then continued by the uh, Biden administration to limit the access China would get to the technology to create these things. Yeah. Well, that started a domino effect because now Japan and the Netherlands, Japan's a high-tech economy as well, and yep. so is the Netherlands, highly developed and high-tech. They're going to say the same thing as the, that the U.S. is that we're not going to give access because they're worried about military-grade sure. chips. Uh, and China's not reacting well to it. It's not the usual kind of uh, rhetoric you get from uh, dignitaries when it comes to this kind of thing. It's it's really quite sharp. Which, in, in that is interesting in the sense of China usually likes to take the, hey, we're going to play the long game approach. For, so for them to be triggered by something in the short term is surprising. It is, and it, it is for sure. And they're also kind of like hedging against a lot of these companies still make things and assemble things in China. Mm -hmm. So to keep those people employed, uh, they need to have those Tech. So it's it's a fine line that China's the Chinese government is trying to walk here, right? They're, right. they're, they're saying, hey, we're going to respond harshly to this, but at the same time, keep your companies and your plants in our, and your manufacturing in our country as well. And there's a real mac the real macro level here for Chinese uh, labor force is is dying off quickly and de declining way faster than the rest of the world's economies. Okay, there was a story that came out last night that I gave you this morning, and it's about Sweet Green and the company now. Has a pro no Chipotle has a, a problem with Sweet Green's new burrito bowl, mm -hmm. and it doesn't really have a, an issue with the contents of the bowl. It's not even saying like, right. "Hey, you copied us and you put chicken and rice and what the hell ever else is in a burrito bowl." Right. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do though with an ingredient that Chipotle says you can't put in the title. Of your burrito bowl. But Jennifer, what's the ingredient? It's Chipotle. <laughs> so how does this work? And I don't, I honestly, I don't know how this plays out. So the sweet green stock fell when Chipotle said, hey, we're suing over this trademark infringement on, because it's called, I think the Chipotle chicken burrito bowl. That's correct. Yes, it is. By sweet green. Right. By okay. sweet green. Yeah. But. We're available at sweet green. Yeah. So, but would you, I don't know, because that that's like, can Chipotle say, okay, I can't put the chicken burrito bowl in it because somebody else calls their company chicken? Well, if, if Chipotle is trademarked as a brand 
that is in the open market, then yeah, they probably have a leg up. Now, hey, uh, props to Sweet Green for poking the bear on this one. Yeah. You know? So okay, great. We're talking about Sweet Green, uh, but when it comes to Chipotle, has a presence and established presence. Yeah. In the popular culture, as well as having trademark protection and legal protection about this, uh, I mean, maybe they're doing Sweet Green a little bit of a favor. Yeah. By, by fighting this, uh, but at the same time, in the headlines. Maybe just a, in a popular way, definitely not on the market way, because Sweet Green shares are down. Right. On this news because they might have to defend against this, which costs money and things like that. And then Chipotle can, you know, if they don't get a deal done behind closed doors and this goes to court, which I don't think it will, but if it would, it would be pretty high legal fees. Yeah, I just think that this is such a, this is one I want Handel and Wayne to do on Do They Have a Case? Yeah, that, that, that would be great, actually. I'd love to hear Wayne's take on this. Yeah, but just because I think that it's it's fascinating mm. to me that an ingredient, even though, yes, it is the name of right. a company, they're... Why isn't anything coming to mind right now? But there's got to be something that's... Apple. I'm just kidding. Right. Well, okay. okay say, all <laughs> right, let's say Steve that. lived off of apples for years, yes. which is why they call it that. Okay. So, but let's say, but anything that had an ingredient in the name, yeah. if I wanted to sell, I don't know, Jen's blueberry muffins or something is blueberry, which actually is a company uh-huh. and they do dog uh, collars, Okay, dog collars and leashes. Mm-hmm. Could blueberry be like, Hey, nope, you can't because that's our name. Support your local pet shelters. Just saying, you always bring it back to dogs somehow. I don't know. But let me go back to Chipotle. You're welcome. Just, let me go back to Chipotle real fast. Look, yeah. Chipotle could come out with the E. coli bowl, and I'd be in line for it. <laughs> I am here for Chipotle about this. I am too. Jason, you are always fun. Uh, what is coming up on Macro this weekend? And for people who have not listened to Macro, tell me why they there should. There are a few left. So... What we do is we try to take a little bit of signal to noise. We talk about a lot of business headlines. We scan a lot before we get on the air and talk about it. Yeah. I try to pull back and say, what is most effective for household budgets? What's going to hit our wallets? What should we prep for? So it's everything from 401k to unemployment, which we have a jobs report we could talk about later this morning with Bill Handel at 8 o'clock. This week, um, we, we look at... <sighs> How can I say this? Well, look, we have a climate crisis and we have an artificial intelligence crisis. Both of those things are going to change economies, change hiring and change skilling. So I try to keep an eye on that. The government doesn't have the proper math to anticipate what we need to do. That's by their words. Right. Just last month, they came out with a report saying, hey, we don't have the uh, we don't have the formulas. We can't predict the (laughs) economy when it comes to climate change specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to dig into that. Well, and I think, too, I can't wait till you do more on the AI stuff, because I think it's fascinating when you have people like Elon Musk coming out and saying, whoa, 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 we need to pull back a little bit and make sure that AI doesn't become dangerous, you know, in its uses. We need to make sure that there are some rules surrounding it and things like that. When you have the tech people who are developing this stuff saying, but we need to do it slowly and put some restrictions on it. Well, I you, think that's that's fascinating. Well, yeah, in a way it is. And also, it's also grandstanding. Elon pulled out of investing in AI. He had the opportunity. He wants everything to stop so he can get caught up, basically. Do you see why you need to listen to macro? And by the way, it's not just it's not just AI, how we look at it on chat GPT. It's, it's about robots. I know we got a wrap, but it's about robots. Every robot that goes to automation on anything replaces 5.5 jobs in the United States. Something wow. to keep an eye on. Jason Middleton, Macro on Sundays. And right here, he'll be on with Handle at 8 o'clock. That's right. Thanks, Jim. All right. You're welcome. See you soon. All right. I have been looking forward to talking with Mike Dubusky, ABC News technology reporter. Mike, good morning. Heck of an assignment. You got the New York International Auto Show. Before we dig into it, I want to ask you this out-of-the-gate question. Of all of the vehicles that you saw or everything that was there at the New York International Auto Show, what was the one thing that made you say, Wow. 
Well, I'll say, Jennifer, it seems like the star of the show this year is something that I'm looking at right out the windshield of the car I'm in right now, which is the Ram Rev. It's the new electric pickup truck from Stellantis, which is formerly Fiat Chrysler, and it is targeted, laser targeted, at the Ford F-150 Lightning, the electric pickup that Ford just can't build enough of to keep up with demand. Now Stellantis is firing back with this, and it seems like they're making a sheer numbers argument. That's what really opened my eyes about this truck. 500 miles of electric-only range in the top trim of this thing. Big battery, uh, 654 horsepower, which is huge, 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds. And again, this is a full-size truck. Those are sports car numbers, but the big number that we don't know yet is the price and we're going to learn that probably a little closer to when it hits the road in 2024 yeah i was just going to ask that because with a capacity like that when you have you know the 500 mile range on something like that i would assume that every construction company listening to the show right now is doing a google search of that vehicle Mm -hmm. thinking holy cow that would cut into my uh my gas costs significantly but in the upfront how much is this thing going to cost me yeah, and, and that's still the big question lingering over all of this. And, of course, you also have to factor in the fact that you get an incentive to buy an EV, a tax credit, that was recently revamped by the Biden administration. I am not sure what it's going to be for this particular vehicle. We're going to learn that a little bit more uh, as we, we learn more details about it. But it varies based on the type of vehicle that you're buying, where the components are made that go into the vehicle. So that's another cost consideration to, to make before you, you know, pull the trigger on an EV. The one thing that I looked at that I thought was hot is the new Jeep, the Wrangler SUV. That's the battle, you know, the thing that's supposed to battle the Ford Bronco. I was all in when I saw this picture. So get this, Jennifer. I'm sitting in one right now. The Jeep Wrangler, hugely popular uh, kind of off-road vehicle. It's minorly updated this year. I'm not going to say it's an all-new vehicle. It has a slightly different front end, kind of a different trim structure and some new options inside. But it is an update. It's making its debut here in New York uh, this week. And an interesting thing about the Wrangler that people might not know is that it is, in fact, the most popular hybrid in the United States. You can buy a plug-in hybrid version of this, and they sell a bunch of them. They say one in four Wrangler sales have actually been hybrids in the last year. That's Okay, I did not know that for sure. And I was looking at the current Wrangler prices they start around 31000 then they go up to like 82000 if you want that oh, like yeah. V8 one. Have they said yeah, how much? Yeah, 392 yeah. Yeah, that one. Have they said how much this 2024 will be? So they haven't announced pricing on the Wrangler yet, but we do know that the hybrid version that we were just talking about is going to be a little cheaper, basically. They're, they're announcing a new trim structure, as I said, the Sport S 4xE is going to be the new cheapest way to get into the hybrid model. And again, because it's a plug-in hybrid, because it has a big battery, you can qualify for some level of government incentive if you want to get behind the wheel of one of these things. Does it seem that Ford is at all nervous about this? Because <laughs> I would think that it's heading straight for the Bronco. It, it certainly is. And I mean, the Bronco was the hot vehicle of 2020. Now Jeep firing back with a bunch of different variants of the Wrangler that we know and love. They have a V8 one. If you don't 
care about the environment, I guess, if you want, you know, the big power and all this fun stuff, or you can go for the hybrid. Uh, so, and, and it's not like the hybrid is a slouch when it comes to performance either. You get a two liter four cylinder, two EV motors, 375 horsepower. That's nothing to, 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 to turn your nose up at. And of course, 21 miles of all EV range. Um, and interesting fact about a lot of EVs is that not only can you charge them, plug them in, you can also send power back out like they are generators. The, the Ram Rev pickup truck that we were talking about can charge other EVs. It can send power to your house in the event of a blackout. Because the Wrangler is a hybrid, it's got a slightly smaller battery, you can use it to charge smaller things, things like your phone or your tablet. But still, kind of an interesting consideration to make. Oh, absolutely. And especially if you're somebody who was thinking like, oh, I want to get a backup generator for my solar power or something like that. If you thought that you already had Mm -hmm. one of these, that might make you stop and think like, how often am I actually going to use that? And could my vehicle be that in that one maybe time of emergency versus having to spend whatever it is, 20 grand or whatever to put the battery backups right. on your house? So that's right. definitely a consideration for somebody to think about. Also, I want, what about uh, when it comes to sedans, any coupes or anything this year that really stood out? So on the car front, yesterday uh, was the World Car of the Year Awards. They announce them every year here in New York. And it was hard to keep Hyundai out of people's minds. Hyundai won big at yesterday's awards, specifically the Ionic 6 electric sedan. It's their new swoopy, very aerodynamic electric sedan. Um, That took home EV of the year. It took home design of the year. And it also took home overall world car of the year. And then elsewhere in the, the Hyundai Motor Group, Kia, which is its sister company, they won performance car of the year for their EV6 GT kind of electric SUV thing. So, yeah, on the, the smaller vehicle front, it seems like it's all about Hyundai this year. You know, and the Hyundai, I was just looking it up when you were talking about it, is very reminiscent to me of like a 1980s Porsche. Yes. Yes, people have compared it to, to Porsches. Uh, it, it, this might be a deep cut, but I think the rear end of it looks like an Infiniti J30 from like the 1990s. Other oh. people have said it's sort of reminiscent of like 1930s Airstream cars, right? When we were first sort of uncovering what aerodynamics could do for cars in the 30s and the 40s. Um, and, and Hyundai, you know, is on a bit of a design tear right now. This Ionic 6 is built on the same platform as last year's Ionic 5 which is sort of a bigger crossover sort of thing. Same platform, same basic specs, but that thing is real boxy and it's got these pixelated lights and it looks kind of like a 1980s hot hatchback from like Volkswagen or something like that. So yeah, they've been really experimental with their designs over at the Hyundai group. Um, So yeah, some interesting stuff happening there as well. Okay, you mentioned VW and I see it. I absolutely see that sort of VW, uh, you know, swooping top design on it. Did VW unveil anything at the show? So VW has uh, a new version of the Atlas. Uh, it's basically a new trim level, but it's it's not you know what I would say a, a, a sea change for that vehicle. It's their their larger SUV, and it's kind of interesting, but it's kind of just a, a minor update. They do have something on the floor which I I can't quite see from my vantage point, but I, it's right behind this wall. I promise. Uh, they do have the new ID Buzz, which is their new take on the micro bus. Right, we all remember the Beetle, and of course, some of us remember the the Volkswagen Microbus as well. They, it's back now. Uh, they say it's going to hit the road in the United States in the next couple of years, 
and it's all electric. It runs on their uh, MEB electric vehicle architecture, and it looks like a van, and, and it's kind of an interesting proposition, right? Like, we, we kind of moved away from vans and minivans into crossovers and SUVs. Looks like I'm hoping to maybe get some people back with uh, maybe some nostalgia, maybe a bit of a nostalgia retrofuturism sort of argument here. I like that, a retrofuturism yeah. argument. This is good, Mike. Mike, have fun today. Wish I could be there. Oh, I and- will. I can't wait to hear how much they want for that Jeep. Not that I could afford it no matter what the cost (laughs) is, but I'm still just so curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, they start pretty reasonably, but, you know, it's pretty easy to to tack on some options and and extra stuff. So, yeah, I I can imagine some of them are not as cheap. All right, Mike, thanks so much. Have fun. Take care, Jennifer. Bye. See you later. Bye. That is ABC's technology reporter, Mike Dubusky. Uh, I'm looking at the Hyundai. Jason Middleton still sitting in here with me. I'm fascinated by this one because so this the one that I'm looking at, you guys, is the Hyundai. What was it? The Q Ionic six. Yes. The Q Ionic six. Tyler, are you looking it's at it? I O N I Q six. And uh, it, it's super interesting how they are bringing back. If you can imagine the top of a Volkswagen Beetle. Right. Is that does that. Do you guys both agree? Mm-hmm. Jason and Tyler yes. are both looking at it. Stretched out a little bit. So it's more, it's like a flatter. Not quite as bubbly. Bubble. It's more, yeah, it's a flat. It's like more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Aerodynamic. Ellipse. More oval, less sphere. Oh, oh. Like smushed. Look at you. Circle. Don't get smart with us this early. <laughs> and then the back of it though. So the, um, like the Porsche 911. It's got that butt on it. From that angle, me. for sure. And I see the VW thing that you mentioned there, for sure. But um, the wheel well to wheel well, uh, look, look at look at that, how that goes, right? That that little arc from, uh, it looks like a, a upside down C, kind of. That looks a lot like a yeah. Mercedes AMG S. Yeah, you're right. And the reason I'm not okay with Hyundai doing that is because it brings down the value of the AMG S's. Which you might have. Yes, just, but then it makes an AMG S more affordable for us, Jason. Oh, 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 see, I right? see what he's doing. It's all okay. about Tyler. No, yeah. Hey, uh, by you, by the way, you guys, I forgot to wish you, um, it's happy National Burrito Day. Who's getting breakfast burritos this morning? Oh, Tyler already has one. Thanks for bringing up one in for the well, class. Well, hey, this one can go in the fridge for tomorrow, and then we can all get breakfast oh, burritos today. Oh, okay, I like this better. And uh, let's see. So at Chipotle, which we were talking about earlier, it says customers may be able to score a free burrito the restaurant has announced it's giving away 10,000 burritos today. So you can go follow them. It's smart. Chipotle on Twitter. That's where the restaurant says it's going to drop codes throughout the day for a chance to grab your burrito on the house. We lead local live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call. You've been listening to your wake-up call with me, Jennifer Jones-Lee, and you can always hear wake-up call 5 to 6 a.m. Monday through Friday at KFI AM 640 and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.